Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Good Sunday evening, everyone. Mark Meckler here for the Battle Cry. Glad to be with you. I always love being with you. It's kind of my favorite thing to do of the week. Recap the week, hang out with you guys, uh, get some questions if you guys got them. And of course, this week, I don't know what else we could cover except for talk about the election the election itself, what's happened since the election, where we go from here. And of course, we're gonna discuss the elephant in the room right now, which is uh, Donald Trump and maybe sort of Trump versus DeSantis and what's going on out there in crazy land. So let's just start with the idea of the red wave. I wanna say, I wanna own it. I thought there was gonna be a red wave uh, along with so many others and no excuse for that. I'm just saying that's what I thought. You know, I was watching the polling I was listening to what I was hearing on the ground from you all over the country, from my travels all over the country. I was looking at our polling over the last year and seeing that, you know, three quarters of the American people say the country is headed in the wrong direction. I was looking at the cross tabs in our polling, which all tell me that almost every demographic said we're headed in the wrong direction. I think the exception really generally on almost every issue is the millennials, but I saw it with really young people. I saw it with really old people, middle-aged people. And so to me, everything that I saw looked like a red wave. Uh, the Republicans were peaking at the right time, uh, which is kind of a big deal in politics. It doesn't always happen that way. The Dobbs decision seemed to have faded far enough behind us that it wasn't gonna be an issue. So naturally, like so many people, I expected a red wave. I was actually at Daily Wire in Nashville, Tennessee, hanging out with those guys. I was backstage with them during their whole backstage live. I was I was hanging out. I did a section before they went main to the backstage live uh, early on in the afternoon. I think it was 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, just talking about the election to come and importantly, talking about what you guys, the grassroots, were doing out there in the field because most people don't know and, and no matter the results, what you guys are doing has been incredible and inspiring. So we're all expecting the red wave. The red wave turned into what looks like now to be a red trickle, right? And so that means we didn't get the tsunami. We didn't get the 30, 40 seats that people hope for in the Republican Party in the House. It looks like maybe the Republicans still take the Senate. It's hard to say with the counting potential shenanigans going on in Arizona and Nevada. Uh, maybe we don't. I have no idea what actually happens. We'll, we'll have to wait and see which to me in and of itself is absolutely unbelievable that you have to wait and see to see what's going to happen. You know, you have a state like Florida where 21 million people roughly in that state, a huge state, and they managed to report the results night of. And you've got Maricopa County, the only county that really matters in a big way by itself in Arizona, and they just can't get it right. And they originally said they would have it within a couple of days. Well, now here we are, we're further out than that. They said they would have it today. They don't have it today. Now they're saying it'll be sometime, sometime next week. And they're not even apologizing for their incompetence. It seems like the incompetence is a feature, not a bug. You have the same thing going on in Clark County, which is the main county in Nevada. It's where Las Vegas is. They can't seem to count their votes. Nevada can't seem to count their votes. By the way, I just want you to notice this. This is really important. I'm not saying this to be partisan. I'm saying this to be a factual observation. Every place that the voting is screwed up that we just can't seem to count or the machines don't work or it takes forever, they're all run by Democrats. So that says one of two things to us. Either Democrats are completely incompetent and simply can't run things and shouldn't certainly be trusted to run our election system, or 
or it's just a coincidence. I don't know. <laughs> it means they're incompetent or they're trying is really the real deal. Those are the two alternatives. They're trying to screw it up so that they control the outcome. Now, I don't want to be conspiracy theorists. I'm not saying it's either or. And frankly, it doesn't really matter at this point, which it is. What matters is because you have all these Democrat strongholds that seem incapable of counting their votes, uh, then we have a lack of faith in our election system. And so what that means is if you have a lack of faith in your election system, I don't think that's unreasonable. It doesn't make you an election denier. I hate that term anyway. <laughs> Excuse me. They're trying to make it sound like you're a Holocaust denier. Uh, and obviously it's nothing like that. But it doesn't make you an election denier to wonder why in all these Democrat strongholds we can't get a reasonable count. Except, of course, if they say immediately that the Democrats win. <clears throat> you know, I saw Tucker Carlson. He did an analysis of this. He said of... 17 recent uh, recounts or, or late counts that they could find where there were struggles happening in one place or another around the country. It was, I think, 15 of them uh, turned out to be, it was either 13 or 15 of them turned out to be Democrat victories. Amazing how that works. It's almost always Democrats win when they have trouble counting the vote. So again, that makes one suspect of the election itself. And that's a super dangerous place for the country to be because if we don't believe that we actually control the outcomes by how we vote, then, man, I don't, I don't know where to go from there. I read an article today, uh, got sent to me by a friend in American Thinker. I want to read a little bit of this to you. This is by Matthew Anderson in American Thinker, dated November 11, today's date. And uh, he talks about how he was optimistic, like I was, like you were. And then he says he didn't want to... But but he understood the realities and the realities that the article is called You Can't Have a Red Wave with a Blue Dam. And he said the GOP is not playing the same game as the DNC. The rules have been changed, so will the results. The structural modifications to voting created under the pretext of biosecurity in 2020 and largely organized tactically at a state level by the political law practice of Perkins Coie, which is a Democrat firm, cannot be overcome by wishful thinking about an effective populist uprising. Modern Americans simply don't do organized revolt any longer, certainly are not up for any sort of revolution or even mass protest, which is why the J6 committee exists as an in intimidation tactic, at least as long as they adhere to a representative republic rather than direct democracy. What the DNC has accomplished is to install an effective political software or malware that is structurally alters the entire voting process by undermining the traditional format we've used for generations with a software patch that rests on secondary methods of unaccountable vote sources such as early voting, mail-in ballots, runoffs, delays, concealed ballot harvesting, and opportunistic pauses and interruptions to the more regular voting process that all of us are used to. The DNC has organized a specific tactical interruption of the entire voting infrastructure. And he says, if you think it's bad now, wait till 2024. Look, I don't disagree with any of that. And we are now at a very severe structural disadvantage in the voting mechanism. And that's going to have to be remedied if we are to win, number one. But if we're to even have any faith in our electoral system, then when we lose. And there's a couple of ways to approach this. Number one is if you live in a red state, if you're in a state like I live in, like Texas or Tennessee or Alabama, or Arkansas, Florida, any of these places, we have got to lock down our election systems and we've got to do it hard and we're going to have to do it hard in areas that are traditionally blue areas i'll give you an example in austin that's a blue city the state's going to have to lock down the election systems there 
in Houston and Dallas are going to have to lock down those election systems and make sure that there's state oversight and that we don't have this sort of blue wave eking into the red states taking over the election systems. We saw a lot of this around the country. So we're going to have to do that in Florida and Texas and Arkansas and Oklahoma. We're going to have to have incredibly strong voting integrity laws and systems in place so that we can control our voting systems, our own destiny from a voting perspective and know that our systems are clean and secure. We can't let this infection spread from blue states into blue cities in red states because it tends to be the cities are bigger. So we're going to have to push for that. You as an activist, me as an activist, us as an organization, we're going to have to push serious electoral reform in the red states. In the blue states, it's going to be harder. You know, you have a state like Michigan, for example, both houses of the Michigan legislature have now gone blue. You have a Democrat governor, you know, they're going to open up the election system. In fact, uh, there was a proposition on the ballot to ensconce a lot of the worst things about the COVID election system. I think it was universal mail-in ballots. It was drop boxes. It's ballot harvesting. It's everything that you and I would hate and that makes elections insecure. Those are now ensconced in the Michigan constitution. So going to be much harder to fix a state like Michigan. The same is true in Minnesota. Uh, both houses, I believe, are now Democrat in Minnesota. I think I've seen the final results. We're going to have a Democrat governor. They are going to ensconce all the worst voting practices that I was just talking to you about, reading about from that article in American Thinker. That's going to become part of the practice of the state. We have to be really careful about any desire to impose a fix from Washington, D.C., even if Republicans end up controlling Washington, D.C. in both houses and the presidency, because any power that we give to D.C. to do that, that power will be utilized against us later on if Democrats take control. So we're going to have to be very thoughtful in how we deal with this. Now, as far as exactly what happened in the red wave, I don't think this is the only thing. I think we had bad candidates in some places. I think there's a lot more money spent by the left in politics, which to the Republican mega donors who didn't step up as big as the Democrat mega donors, it's your wealth. Those are your assets. I can't tell you what to do with them. But if you don't want to lose the country, you're going to have to match the dollars being put in by the Democrats to all the organizations out there like ours. We're going to have to step up our game. We participated in one way or another legally in about 450 elections. We need to be in 4,500 elections. We need to be out there all over the country. We're going to do more. We're going to do better in the next cycle. We're going to start focusing literally right now on the 2024 elections and making sure that we're even better at doing what we do than we have been in the past. And we had some big successes. I have to tell you, we had convention of states people win legislative seats all over the country. So people are coming up through COS. They're learning the process. They're learning how legislatures work. They're running for the legislature. Uh, man, my prayers and thoughts are with Sarah Abdu. She's our former state director in Iowa. Last I saw, she was down by like six votes in her election in Iowa. Iowa, by the way, both houses now super majorities for Republicans. So that's awesome. In North Carolina, our team worked incredibly hard, helped achieve a super majority for uh, Republicans in the North Carolina Senate, one short seat of a super majority in the House. I'm sure they'll work on that next session. So great job to the folks in North Carolina. In Ohio, I know there were seats picked up. Our folks were working there. Both houses now super, super majorities in Ohio. So you're going to should see great things out of Ohio. They should do even better locking down their electoral system. So lots of good stuff happened out there. Important to remember. Uh, in, you saw uh, 
in Ohio. They picked up a couple of Supreme Court justices. That's really good. DeWine's going to get to appoint one more. That'll create a conservative majority. Let's hope he puts somebody in that seat that is going to drive that court in an originalist direction. I think it's the Supreme Court justice. Uh, sorry, the um, chief justice is reaching mandatory retirement at the end of this year. So he will appoint a replacement. So there's a lot of good stuff happening, but not enough. And also, but as we look at this election, this is really important to me. We can be really sour on everything, and there is a natural tendency to do that. But you got to ask yourself this question. We are now at November 11th, Friday, November 11th. The election was November 8th. The question to ask ourselves, and it's an important question, is the country better off from your perspective today on the 11th than it was on the 7th? Is it better off today after the election? And I think the answer is unequivocally yes. Here's why I say that. Because it looks like the House of Representatives will be controlled by people who do not operate at the whim of the current administration, who will not spend an unfathomable, unending amount of money, who may actually really genuinely investigate the FBI, the IRS, Health and Human Services, the DOJ, the EPA, all of these agencies that need to be investigated cajoled, shut down, crammed back in their boxes, done away with, we may see some real oversight. Now, look, we may not. I don't have a lot of faith in Republicans. I don't have faith in McCarthy. I don't have faith in McConnell. But you got to say, you it's going to be better than it was on November 7th. And so that's kind of our baseline. After an election, did the country move in the direction you want or away from the direction you wanted? And I could say for me, personally, the country moved in the direction I wanted. So I'm not going to be like the kid after Christmas who opened up all the presents, got all these incredible presents, and then says, yeah, but I didn't get what I really wanted, right? Because the reality is we got a lot of good stuff. We didn't get what, what we really wanted. We didn't necessarily get what we expected. But let's not whine and cry. Let's go to work. Let's go to work. You know, somebody, I, I had somebody write to me and say they're just giving up and you know, they've given a lot of money. This was a donor. They've given a lot of money all over the country. They're not doing that anymore. They're just going to focus on Texas. And I thought, man, that's given up. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not even going to be discouraged to the extent that I'll slow down what I'm doing. In fact, what I'm going to do is double down. My goal is to double convention of states next year. My goal is to take the number of races we're involved in from 40, 450 to 4,000. Right? That's like a 10x almost. That's I'm going to set bigger goals. I'm going to set more goals. We're going to work harder. We're going to be more efficient. We're going to be smarter. We're going to raise more money. We're going to have more grassroots activists. We're going to go harder because we didn't win enough. Not because we didn't win, because I think that we did. I think Liberty won overall, but because we didn't win enough. And we're going to continue to work hard and restore self-governance. So for Convention of States, specifically what that means and hopefully what it means for you is you get involved and you get in the fight and you work harder. What it means is if you haven't volunteered before, you go to conventionofstates.com, you sign the petition, you click on the take action tab and you get involved because we're going to be involved all over the country. We're going to be involved with Matt Walsh and Daily Wire ending childhood mutilation. We're going to be involved all over the country in ending CRT. We were involved in a lot of school board races around the country. We're going to do more of that. I personally, I'm getting involved in a, in a school board association, Back to School USA, and I'm going to be involved in that, helping them to spread good candidates and good practices to school boards all over the country. 
I personally am going to do more. That's what you do when you're not happy with the results that you get. You don't whine. You don't say, I'm going to go hunker down and just, you know, I'm going to be a prepper. You should be prepared. Don't get me wrong. But that's not enough. That's not how you fight by going and hiding out, by giving up, by quitting. That's not how you fight. And if I know one thing about you guys, what I know is that you're warriors, you're fighters, you're people who don't give up. You're the people who man the barricades. You're the people who are on the front lines. You're the people who are going to go out and take the beach. I count on you to be those people, and I will be right there by your side in all of those fights. I will be traveling. I will be going to the state legislatures. I will be going to rallies. I will be making the phone calls every day. I will be talking to the politicians who need to support us and who need to do more. I will be putting the pressure on. I will be out there encouraging people to become candidates, to run for office, to actually do the hard thing. And by the way, if you're considering running for office, stop considering and just do it. Do it today, not in 2024. 2024, you're too late to decide that. Decide now that I think I'm going to run for office. You don't even have to pick your office. Just decide you're going to run for office. And the first thing I'll ask you if you decide if you're going to run for office is I'll ask you, do you have a network? And if you say, what do you mean by a network? I'm going to say, do you belong to Kiwanis? Do you belong to Lions Club? Are you a member of the Rotary? Are you a Seroptimist? Are you on the PTA? Are you volunteering in your church? Does everybody at church know you? you got to build a network. I'm going to ask you, do you know how to speak in public? Are you comfortable with that? If not, I'm going to tell you, go join Toastmasters. You know what? Even if you are comfortable speaking in public, go join Toastmasters. Find a local chapter. Find two local chapters. Get engaged. Learn to be a competent public speaker. If you're already competent, learn to be a great public speaker. Take the time. That's part of your network, by the way, also. Build your network and get ready. Go to places like Leadership Institute and get trained on how to be a candidate and how to run a campaign. And we're going to be working closer and closer with organizations like that, making sure that you have the training you need to run for office. 4,000 elections. I'd like to see Convention of States doing get out the vote, participating in one way or another. I'd like to see hundreds and hundreds of Convention of States candidates all across the country, people who came out of our ranks that are now running for office. That's what we have to do. We didn't lose. You didn't lose this election. People didn't win as big as they wanted, but people who believe in liberty, they won. The, the blue, nasty, smelly tide that was sweeping across the nation, that was burying us in debt, that's burying us in CRT, that's burying us in transgender ideology, it got slowed down. The breakwater got thrown up. You should be happy about that. We should celebrate that, and then we should say, it's not enough. It's time to reload and go again, and go again even harder. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com pod. And now back to the show. Now there's an elephant in the room that I have to discuss right now. And I'm not happy about this and I'm not comfortable about it, but I'm going to discuss it. And that elephant in the room is Donald Trump. And look, I'm and have been a Donald Trump fan. I, I didn't support him when he ran in 2016 in the primaries. I was a Ted Cruz guy initially. Ultimately, when Donald Trump won the nomination, I was all in for Donald Trump. And he was a way better president than I expected. He is the best president of my lifetime. 
he did more stuff that was great in my lifetime than any other president. And I'm a huge fan of Ronald Reagan. I like the way Ronald Reagan did business better, but I think Trump accomplished more. And so the question is now, is Trump still the standard bearer for the party? And I think you got to look at what's going on right now in the country. And, you know, I'm tired of seeing this. You know, he he said he chose 174 to nine or something like the right candidates. But come on, man, seriously, he chose. Sorry, using the Joe Biden there. Come on. He chose Kim Reynolds, the governor of Iowa. She was going to be reelected. He chose a lot of people that were already going to be reelected. He chose people in that 174 that didn't even have any opposition. And the reality in some of the big races, the important races, right, in the Oz race, in the Balduck, he chose people who actually were not the best candidates for that race. And so I'm not blaming him for the losses, but I am saying he's not the great leader leading us to victory right now that the country needs, to be frank. And over the last couple of days, he's come out, he's attacking Ron DeSantis, who won the greatest victory in the country in this cycle by far. 62 of 67 counties in Florida going red. Miami-Dade going red. The majority of the Hispanic vote going for DeSantis. He won by 30,000 votes last time. He won by over a million this time. He won by 14 points in Florida. And Trump's trying to say because there were, quote-unquote, less votes. Well, it's a midterm, dude. He's saying because there were less votes that he did better than DeSantis. He won by three points, Trump. DeSantis won by 14 points. DeSantis dominated Florida. He turned Florida red. He put up a red firewall in Florida. Florida is no longer a swing state, thanks to Ron DeSantis. Look, so all I'm saying, I'm not saying DeSantis for president necessarily. I'm saying attacking DeSantis now is idiocy. It's like a psychotic break or something. I don't get it. And then this morning, Trump is attacking Glenn Youngkin in Virginia calling him young kin, like some kind of weird China reference. Like This is crazy town stuff. This is not healthy for the Republican Party. This is not healthy for conservatives. He's going to damage the efforts in Georgia in the runoff by doing this stuff. And now what he's going to do is it looks like he's going to announce that he's running for president. And all he's doing right now is creating a mess. And you got to ask yourself the question, and this is a really important question. We ask this in Convention of States all the time. you got two circles of activity in your life where you come from. One is me and one is mission. In Convention of States, the mission is build the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history. We're doing that. You're part of it. It's historic. And then there's the Mark Meckler mission. Is, is Mark getting famous? Is, is Mark have personal influence? Does Mark know people? That's the me stuff. Does this make Mark happy what we're doing? That stuff does not matter. What matters is the mission. Are we building the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history? Are we restoring self-governance in America? And in Donald Trump's case, it should be, is what I'm doing good for the Republican Party? Is what I'm doing going to win the most elections? Is it going to do what we're trying to do, which is restore self-governance in America, or is it good for Donald Trump? And right now, it appears that what Donald Trump is doing is whatever he damn well thinks is good for Donald Trump. And I'm just going to say, I'm not happy about it. I think that's a mistake. I think I've seen one politician come out against it. Maybe there will be more. And that was uh, somebody in the Virginia House of Delegates, a gun rights activist, came out and said, look, man, this has got to stop. But if you look at what's going on out there on the blogosphere, 
serious conservatives are saying this has got to stop. Trump is out of control. Ben Shapiro saying Trump is out of control. Steve Day saying Trump is out of control. I'm not seeing a lot of support for Trump attacking DeSantis right now and Trump attacking Youngkin right now. This doesn't make any sense. So whether or you're not you're a Trump fan, and I am generally a Trump fan, what he's doing right now is damaging. And I would suggest that you openly, if you agree with me, speak out about it. It's got to be stopped. It's not good for the country. It's not good for conservatives. And Donald Trump needs to get himself under control right now. He's completely out of control. Attacking DeSantis, attacking Youngkin, going on the rampage right now. Look, we're not in a primary season. He's trying to clear the field because he cares about himself more than he cares about the country right now. And that's not good. And that's got to stop. So that's my Trump rant. You might call it anti-Trump. I may piss some of you off by saying that, but I'm sorry. That That's my look at the thing. That's how I see it. I'm always going to be open and honest with you. Again, I'm sure people are going to be mad at me about that. Sorry about that. That's just the way it is. Okay. I want to close with this, which is you can't give up. You can't give up. I mean, I, you can, I guess you could make that choice to give up if you really want to give up, but you're not going to save the country by giving up. There's, there's no way you're going to save the country by giving up. It just doesn't happen. You're going to save the country by fighting. You're going to save the country by standing tall when other people won't stand tall. You're going to save the country by doing twice as much when other people back off. That's how you're going to save the country. And you will be remembered. This country is in crisis right now. And at some point in American history, people are going to look at this point in American history and something's going to have happened. We're going to have lost our republic. And people are going to ask, who fought? Did anybody fight? How did this happen? And you want to be able to say, and you want your family to be able to say, well, there were people who fought and my granddad was among them. My grandmother, my great-grandfather, my great-uncle were among the people who were willing to fight when liberty was lost. And at least you then will have done that which you should have done. You don't want to be the person that said, well, you know, my granddad and grandmas, they started canning and hiding out on the ranch. That's not the person that you want to be. Oh, they made money during that period. They, they collected a lot of wealth during that period. That's not the person who you want to be. You want to be the person who fights. And you know, the person who fights when it's difficult to fight, the person who fights when it looks like you might not win, the person who fights against the odds is a person doing their duty. Duty is undervalued in our culture in this day and age. Duty is what you do when nobody else is looking. You might not be remembered at all. Does that matter? No, you do your duty because you don't really care whether you're remembered. You don't really care whether people know that you're fighting your hardest or not. You don't really care what people think about what you're doing. You do it because you know in your heart that it's right. And I know you know what's right. And I know that you know that giving up is not right. I know that you know that quitting is not right. None of you has ever looked at somebody who quit, who threw up their hands and just gave up and said, oh man, that's awesome. That person's such a quitter. It's so great that they were just willing to give up. None of you have ever said that. Have you ever looked at somebody and admired the quitter? Have you ever looked at somebody and admired the person and said, you know, they had a duty to do something to, in this situation to save somebody, to step up, to provide for the family, and they didn't. I really admire that they didn't do their duty. Nobody's ever said any of those things. 
And so now is the time to stand up and to do your duty. And if you've never done anything before, if you've never volunteered in politics, if you've never thought of running, if you've never given any money, now is the time to do those things. To understand that you have a duty. You live in the United States of America in 2022. And by God's grace and the privilege that he put you on earth right now, you live in what has been the freest country on the face of the earth. You live in the country that is the greatest experiment in liberty that's ever taken place on the face of the earth. You live here. You're not starving. You're not freezing to death. You're not in the middle of a war right now. Right? Our worries are small compared to the worries of some people in this country. And because of all of that, to whom much is given, much is expected. And to whom more is given, even more. You have a great responsibility. You have a great duty. And if you haven't stepped up previously, now is the time to step up. If you've said, I'm too busy, you're not too busy. Make the time. It's called a priority. If you say, I don't have time because I, I got to spend the time with my kids, your kids someday will understand that you had to fight. If you say, I don't have enough time because I'm tired when I get home from work, you know what? We're all tired. We all got too much going on. If you say, I don't have time because I work two jobs, I, I feel for you. I understand. Get your wife to do the work. Get your husband to step up and do something. Get your neighbors to step up and do something. If you haven't done anything up till now in the political system, you have to get involved. If you've been involved, you got to be more involved. You know, sometimes I get up super early in the morning. I tend to get up pretty early, 4 or 5 a.m. This morning was around 5 a.m. I try to get a workout in. I try to clear my head. I start, try to start setting my day in my mind of what I'm going to do. Generally, Patty and I don't shut down until late at night. We do this together. Uh, and then I'm just thinking I got to do more. That's what I'm thinking now. And I'm tired. I really am genuinely tired. Yesterday during the middle of the day, I took a nap. I don't usually do that. I was just exhausted. And then I just get up and go some more. And I get up early again today and I go some more. Because we don't have a choice. We have a duty. So volunteer, right? Go to the conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, click on the take action tab and volunteer for a position. I promise you, we'll put you to work and it's going to be valuable work. It's going to be meaningful work. It's going to be work that actually accomplishes something. I'm going to ask you something else that I never, ever ask on this battle cry. I've never make this ask on this battle cry. I might've done it once in years and that is give money. And I know the economy is rough right now. Things are getting rougher and rougher. People are worried about their jobs. So give up a latte a week. You know, I don't know what that is at Starbucks now. Five bucks? Go to conventionofstates.com. Hit the donate button. Become a monthly donor. Look, there are millions of people that support this movement. And we could do a much better job and recruit many more people and do more things and be engaged in more elections if people would just simply commit to giving five bucks a week to convention states, 20 bucks a month. If you can't afford that, five bucks a month. Can't afford that, a buck a month. What, like, what would happen if we had a million people give five bucks a month? That's $5 million a month. That would be a lot of money. We could do a lot more good in the world. Can you do that? Can you do a duty and give $5 a month to convention states? Can we get a million people? We'll have, say, 50,000 people watch this. Could we get 50,000 people to give five bucks a month? 
Again, I don't normally pitch like this for money. You guys know that. It's not my style. It's not what we do, but we are going to have to do more. And if I'm going to be able to do more, I'm going to need you guys to do more. <sighs> Look, my job is not to be in charge or to run everything or to lead everything. My job is to be out in the field with you to support you guys in the fight. And I've never felt like that more in my entire life. We have a big year coming up. I'm not giving up. We're going to be in the fight. Virginia has an important election next year in 2023. Their Senate is going to be up. That Senate needs to flip to Republican. That'll make that entire state red, both houses and the governor. That can get a lot of stuff done. We can pass convention of states, but I'm going to have to do more. And so I'm asking you to do more too. Do your duty. Go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, click on the take action tab, volunteer, click on the donate tab. Just ask yourself, can you give five bucks a month, 10, 15, 20 bucks a month? Can you volunteer an hour a week, two hours a week? Whatever you can do, now is the time to do your duty. I love you guys. That's why I'm in it. I appreciate you guys. I have faith in the American people. I believe if we all get this concept of duty in our heads and our hearts and we all step up and do what we got to do, I still fully believe we're going to save the country. The country is better today than it was last week. And our job is to make it better tomorrow. So I'm committed to that. I appreciate you guys. I will be back. I will see you next week on The Battlefront. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.